proposition, by the way. Uh huh. I have been streaming just for fun. Yeah. Uh, do you want to just like stream podcasts sometimes? How do we do that? I just stream. I just press go. Yeah, but I, I, I'm not on it. I'm not in it. Yeah, but we don't actually have to engage with the chat. It's a podcast. No, but how do you get me to be on oh, said stream? Desktop audio. I can hear you, so therefore they'd be able to hear really? you. Really? Yeah. That's cool. No, so yesterday I was streaming for a while, and then I just called Angelia, and we played a game. Were, were people listening to your phone yeah, call? People were still people were still there. Yeah, no, she, she knew. She knew. I wasn't just like sneaking it. <laughs> it's like, hey, was, Angelia, let's have a private like, hey, phone do call. Come, do you want to come play Stardew and stream? She's like, yeah. And so we just like, same as we do, we call on Discord and it worked. So. All right. Okay. Well. We, should, we can do it. Yeah, let's do it. You know, sounds, sounds easy. Easy enough. Uh, I'll just have to think of something to put on the screen. <laughs> Uh, do you not have a webcam? Well, yeah, but I don't want to be the only person on the screen. We'll have to figure that end out. Yeah, so how do we do that? Because I would, I would send myself. Well, you could turn your webcam on. Um, you could turn yours on. The the main issue I have is that when I'm doing the podcast, I I don't really notice what I'm doing with my hands. Like at the moment, my hands are kind of on my hips, almost like cowboy stance, nice. which is not a good look, to be honest. It's fine. Don't worry about appearances. We'll figure it out, um, and then I'll do something else just to keep the screen busy. Uh, but I thought I'd run it by you as an idea because we're not trying. To, we're not doing this professional, so we don't actually nope. have any reason to not add more random junk. But of to course, the, to the to the process. It's what we like. More <laughs> random junk, the better. Yes. Talking of random junk, I had yes. Thinking deeply about random junk, I had to go through, or I started going through all the stuff I have in this flat because, lo and behold, James. Three and a half months, or just over three months, since I first put in an offer on a flat, on Wednesday, I got written acceptance. Hey! Yay! Well done. Seesaw Parade has bought a flat. Wow, we have. Well, Together. I mean, not, not yet, technically. I have taken part. <laughs> this, is, this achievement is also mine. It's, it's taken three attempts to get a mortgage, but I now have a mortgage. Well done. And also, the Scottish government have given me money, but it means that they have a, an equity share in the flat. So Yeah, it's one of those, it's one of those money but not real money things. Yeah, so 15% of the, of the flat is theirs. Yeah. They own like a, a cupboard and maybe half a bedroom. Yeah, they could come in and just like use it as an office whenever <laughs> they want. We're going to, uh, what's the word when you government comes in and takes something and just says they can because they're the government? Requisition. Maybe not. Yeah, that's a good word. I'll allow it. We're going to requisition this cupboard for government use. Yeah. Pro- they, I mean, they probably could do that. They're going to use it as like a safe house for for, Ni- <laughs> for Nicola. Nobody would ever expect he's at Colin's place. <laughs> it's the safest house of all. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But it's, sorry, just to get back to the point here. It's when I started realizing how much random junk I had... Yeah. I decided, right, I'm going to put some of this on eBay instead. Uh-huh. So, dear listener, if you want a Roger and Hammerstein 6 DVD box set, it is on eBay for 99 pence. <laughs> I must also state, I'm pretty sure it's not mine, but I have it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I've got a lot of things left over from previous flatmates. I don't know what to do with it anymore. <laughs> yeah. So I, I went on the, I think it's Music Magpie, who, if you want to sponsor us, yeah. I'm just giving you a shout out. But you, you're terrible, by the way. You suck. Yeah. I scanned the barcodes. <laughs> Good ad. Yeah. I, <laughs> I scanned the barcodes of some of the, the DVDs I have, which are completely null and void now because I've got everything on, on streaming services. Yeah. And I was scanning these barcodes and it was like, great, we'll take this off you for 12 pence. Oh, wow. Like, 12 pence. Thank you. Like, surely those companies just don't exist in, after like another five years. Well, I, I, I get it. Well, yes, no, you're probably right. But there are there is still a market for people buying DVDs. So so one of the first ones I put up was uh, the original Avengers because I had that on DVD. Right. But obviously that's on Disney Plus. I have Disney Plus. You don't need it now. So I don't need it. And I still managed to get a fiver off it from from eBay. So someone is clearly a still fiver? out there buying DVDs for five pound. Yeah. For the Avengers. For the Avengers. Man, I did not <laughs> expect that much money to be getting paid for an Avengers disc. Blu-ray, debatably. <laughs> I currently have nine things on eBay, some of which are bundles, like I'm selling seven Xbox games, some of which I've not played, and uh, one of which I'm sure is faulty. Right. But, you know, people will buy that stuff. No, yeah, it's like a, it's like a luck of the of the draw thing there. You either, you're, you're either going to get seven great games or, like, two great games, but, you know, <laughs> just pay, place your bet, play accordingly. Is there anything, play James... accordingly? Come on. I don't know. James, you've been in this flat before, I think probably about a year ago, actually, was the last yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while. Is there anything in here you you would like? Because uh, you know some of it's up for grabs. 
I don't if I don't know if you think there's anything in there that you, you that you that you'd sell on eBay, but you want to give us a gift instead. Okay. Just like send me a picture, and I'll either thumbs up or thumbs down. And then get, I'm getting into the, you know, thinking too far ahead and deciding what am I going to do with this new property. And I've decided the second bedroom is not going to be a second bedroom. <gasps> oh no! <gasps> it's going to be a studio. Yeah, that's a good thing to do. Painting one wall entirely green. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't need a green screen if you've got like, a nice clean green wall. A green wall, absolutely. So it's going to be like uh, luminescent green. Yeah. And then the other side, you'll have like a proper desk, like you've got, because it's lovely, and like a pull-out keyboard and a big old monitor, and then. Two gonna, monitors, Colin. Two, two monitors. Two monitors. And then we're going to get some neon lights and make it feel really seedy. Yes. The more lights in the room, the better. Well, yeah. And, and the amount of cool studios I've seen which have, you know, really cool lighting. And I think, yeah. I want to do that. I could totally do that without any knowledge of, you know, how I would actually make that work. But it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. I'm getting ahead of myself and I'm excited. No, it's good to have, it's good to have plans. Just make sure you enact them. Get rid of the bedroom as soon as you can because as soon as... As soon as you've like used it once as a guest bedroom, you're well, kind of committed to having it as one forever. Well, so we'll see. Here's the thing. The, the people who are selling the flat currently use the second bedroom as their child's bedroom. But the child is is one. So they have a cot and the cot is going with them. So I oh, have easy peasy. I have an empty room. Yeah. You don't even need to like get rid of any furniture. Job done. Yeah. Excellent. And they're giving me a couch, which is nice. Oh, yeah. So they're taking their fridge. Oh, that's a wee shame. <laughs> it's fine. I, I didn't want their fridge anyway. No, yeah. You get room for a bigger fridge, a better fridge. <laughs> okay. Uh, Seesaw Parade episode 210. Yes. Wow. <laughs> nice little number combo there. Also my pin code. James. Uh, Hello. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for being here. <laughs> yeah, I'm the star of the show. Colin is also the star of the show. That is correct. I am Colin and he is James. Thank you for listening. Yes. I really appreciate it. Thank you for everybody who's got in touch uh, over the last week or so. And apologies that this episode is a little bit late because work has been mental. Coronavirus makes everybody work more. Yeah, I would agree with that. We'll talk about that in a minute because I am at a stage now where I am 100% working more now than I was pre-lockdown. And that's not really what I wanted lockdown to be. But, you know, got to pay solicitors. They like their money. Yeah, no, money is important. I will take their money. Yeah, yeah, well, I'd yeah. rather, I will take money of people who want to pay me to film things for them, and then I will give that to the lawyers. I'll, I'll take money if people just want to give me money. I don't need to film anything. You could start an OnlyFans, James. That is one thing I've seen uh, become very popular on Lots Twitter. Lots of people are doing OnlyFans. Yeah, everybody's got that in their Twitter bio now. <laughs> Which, you know, if it's working for you, great. You know, that's some entrepreneurism sure, I, right there. There is a, there is an audience for anything. Uh, I'm sure many of those OnlyFanses contain things that I, I would be surprised by. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're right. I'm sure you're right. <laughs> yeah, that's the nicest I can do. Okay. You know, but you know, for real, it's a business. I'm not making fun of it. You do what you want. Oh, absolutely. Make your money. Make your money, folks. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you, everybody, for making money and uh, for contributing to... Seesaw Parade's gushing income. Yeah, two people, two people, two of the only people in the whole of the nation who did not actually get less work when coronavirus <laughs> kicked in. Okay, we're blessed. Don't want to, don't want to show off too much here, but we're the blessed ones. You're the small people, James. You talked about streaming at the start. We had a couple of new followers late last night on our Twitter, which to me looks like people who would be involved in your sort of gaming industry. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay, okay, yeah. So did we get a couple of my stream followers? Looks like it. Uh, say hello, say hello, Colin. So hi, the Ward Schiller, and hi, King Spectre three six two. Those are gaming names. Huh? Nice <laughs> gaming names. If ever I heard one. Do you have a gaming name before we actually start the show properly? No, I I just use the same. Same username on all platforms. Fair Jim. Yeah, Fair Jim. That's oh, a good name. See, that's that, that's the thing. You you begin to to build an identity, and people find you, and then they find the cool things that you do, and think, "Wow, what's this podcast? Let's let's listen to it," and then have regret forever. That's a, that was a thought. I was I was having a think. Hey, should I like try and like compartmentalize everything I do? And then I was like, no. If people are dumb enough to go to Twitter and see my political thoughts in a podcast, they're dumb enough to do that, and they will enjoy themselves. Is the gaming industry, does it lean a particular way? Uh, it depends what kind of audience you cultivate, right? There are, there's, there's all sorts in all, in all environments, so the gaming industry or video gaming or whatever you want to call it, because different people like different terms, it draws all sorts of people. 
So you get the complete Nazis and you get the complete like Pride Month, um, <clears throat> incredible, wonderful, expressive people. That's me. Um, and people choose to express themselves however they please. Uh, Nazis probably should stop doing their one. <laughs> but no, yeah, no, for real, I do play a couple of games that I know have a proper like hardcore Nazi fan base. And it wow. makes me sad. Yeah. Probably stop playing Mario Kart, right? Exactly. <laughs> They're in it for Waluigi. Okay. <laughs> That's harsh. Waluigi's great. I'm not, I'm not going to put Waluigi down. Get rid of it. Get it. Waluigi's wonderful. Okay. Thank you to everybody who got in touch. Uh, Izzy said she liked the discussion on jokes and what's acceptable. All right. Asked, do you think it will one day be unacceptable to make jokes about religion or faith? Or will that always still be seen as okay? And she is, also says, hmm. I'm aware that this does not apply to all religions. Yeah, I think it's got less of a gray area than, like, other protected groups. Because, like, religious expression is a protected thing, right? So yeah. you can only go so far when you're, like, poking fun and stuff. However, uh, a religion is generally something you opt into unless you've been brought up pretty poorly <laughs> and, and it's a cult or something. Uh-huh. And because it's something you opt into, it kind of separates it from sexuality or race or other things that you don't really opt into and therefore yeah. are protected for different reasons. But yeah, no, jokes about religion, I think they can be real funny. Uh, and especially when some religions hold such a m- huge amount of power, they are the top dog in yep. a lot of ways. So you can poke fun at that all you want. Make fun of the Pope all you want. Mm-hmm. That joke's never going to be um, unacceptable. Um, but again, it kind of comes with the same punching down thing. Well, well, that's um, that's my my view is that I, I do believe that that joke or th- those kind of jokes will continue and will be yeah. considered safe or fine yeah. because you know it's very easy to make fun of scientology yeah basically it's also very it's very easy to make fun of christians because they are a soft target whereas yeah well then they're the power group you make jokes about muslims or islam now that's when you're getting risky because well we've seen in the past the amount of times that even in what recent history uh cartoon drawings of muhammad which have mm-hmm. inspired violence against you know, the offices of the, the, the publication which put those drawings out. Yeah, so while we'd say that that's an acceptable joke to make, it did cause them harm yeah. in the end. So it's dangerous to be making religious jokes in ways because you are, because people have opted into it, they are far more invested and they don't want to be made fun of. So that's the other side to it, is you're making fun of something or poking fun at something that people care about a lot yeah. more. Do you remember in the early days of YouTube, one of the most popular videos was by a ventriloquist whose name I fail to remember uh, yeah, yeah, and his yeah. main act was Ahmed the dead terrorist suicide bomber yeah and I watched it uh, probably about a week ago actually just after seeing that tweet and realised that first of all th- the main takeaway I had it's just not very funny it's not very funny anymore yeah. I didn't understand how it got so big at the time I think it's because it was it was so shocking ventriloquism had always been tame yeah, that's true or not really always tame but you know our most of our experiences of it were tame so then seeing something so out of the blue was was it was shock value rather than actual humor uh, but it's it's the fact as well that he's you know the ventriloquist dummy of ahmed is is comparing uh, another dummy's farts to saddam's mustard gas yeah which isn't really funny which yeah which i'm kind of like right i'm not sure if we should be laughing at that or are we allowed to laugh at that yeah the, like the whole gas situation with saddam that's pretty shocking i mean saddam hussein not a great guy, but did gas his own populace. Yeah, and when you make fun of the gas like that, it kind of is minimizing the the impact of that, right? It feels like you're kind of poking fun at it for being small and what mustard gas, hee hee hoo hoo. But it's real bad. <laughs> There's a reason it's it's completely illegal. But no, yeah, yeah, you you were you're you're right. Um, religious jokes aren't going to go away or aren't going to be so censored in the same way as jokes about yeah. the disabled or jokes about people of colour or, or anything else like that. Okay, well, if you hear anything that you would like to uh, ask or contribute or argue against over the next 45 minutes or so, please do get in touch. We are Cecil Parade everywhere on Twitter, Facebook. I don't really, I always say Snapchat. I haven't used that Snapchat for months, so let's just we, delete that. Well, you can you can stop advertising if you want. <laughs> okay. Well, Facebook, Twitter, Gmail. It's a dead platform anyway. It is. I, I feel myself and Graham are the only two keeping it going. <laughs> if you would like to get in touch, please do, but let's uh, kick on and talk phase two. Yes. So 
So phasers were set to two this week as oh, Scotland. No, where did you steal that? From? I don't know. I saw it so many times. Scotland <laughs> moved out of lockdown phase one into phase two, and James, yes. this meant um, a little bit of progress for a few people, but ultimately mm-hmm. not much has changed for the vast majority of people. For example, yeah. in phase two, it now means that I can go and I can I can form a social bubble with somebody else because I live alone. However, yeah. because you, I mean, you may as well live alone, but you don't. <laughs> so unfortunately that, that means that, I mean, sorry, John, John, if you're listening, I'm very sorry. I shouldn't have insulted you yeah, so hard. You don't exist though. No, you just don't exist. It, it does mean that you are unable to do the same thing. Yeah. The main headline certainly coming out off north of the border was the fact that so many outdoor venues and bars and uh, pop-ups, certainly in Glasgow and Edinburgh, who had these big plans to uh, turn the Rotunda, which is this uh, beautiful venue at the Clyde, into a big outdoor open bar and market with space for 200 people. There was chat of the Barrowlands doing the same thing, the Drygate, there were venues in Edinburgh doing this too, because the belief was that when phase two started, outdoor bars would now be allowed and it would be a, a kickstart for that area of the economy as you know everyone and their dog went to get an outside pint however yeah nicola sturgeon decided not yet yeah so it's another at least another couple of weeks potentially longer before that becomes a reality yeah james thoughts on phase two do we do we feel the first minister got that right it's confusing right and it's confusing because we don't know the science because it feels like we're allowing un like just any old shop to open yeah any like any shop can open now as long as they've got procedures in place to socially distant people and to clean stuff mm-hmm. but like what makes that super different from an outdoor bar or something surely they can have the same measures of keeping things distant and keeping things clean i guess the the, the first difference that strikes me is that in a shop like sports direct or or primark you can walk around with a mask on and you can do your shopping and you can leave without breathing on anybody and the mask doesn't have to come off yeah (laughs) there's the big brain moment whereas (laughs) if you're in a bar i would be very impressed if you can drink through a mask i think that would just end in a very wet disaster yeah the the good masks are supposed to be um impervious to water you know they like morph suits yeah so you could smell your drinks because they they won't keep out all of the all of the little particles, but you can't drink them. So that makes a lot of sense, I guess. Right. Um, now that I think about it, and now that you've been smarter than me, I suppose that since you can kind of keep more uh, active, safe measures if you're just getting a T-shirt, um, it makes sense. And they're saying, they, like the governor's saying, hey, the science is pointing to the bars that are opening up with these measures in place still being a hub for spreading the disease so if the science is saying it and, we, and the statistics are saying it we kind of have to trust it um, i think a lot of people will struggle because a lot of people were looking forward to this it's a bit of a shame to now be missing out on like visiting people's homes because that's been pushed back as well and it's a yeah. shame to be missing out on being able to go out for a drink someplace um but if we're being told that, that um, those uh, activities are proven to be ways that the virus is spreading, we just got to hold off for a while. That's just the way it is. Okay, so... And one, one day we could be New Zealand and have everything entirely reopened. So just on that note, the two-metre rule is another thing which is being addressed this week. Boris Johnson is is taking personal control oh, I of know, yeah. looking into the two-metre rule. Now, the science He's learning is, what a metre is for the first time in his life. <laughs> indeed he is. The science is split. It's his own wit, oddly enough. Over what distance we should be keeping apart. So, for example, in America, it's six foot, which is 1.8 meters. If it's uh, the WHO, it's it's one meter, and it's one meter in France and Spain. It's two meters in the UK. And actually, some scientists say we should be a lot further apart than that. But in most cases, two meters is just unrealistic. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're walking past someone on a pavement, the pavement, in most cases, in Glasgow, is not even wide enough to to, to allow that sort of space. So that's being looked at and it's fully expected that certainly in England, that two metre rule will be relaxed to maybe one metre, perhaps, yeah, at least one metre. They won't scrap it immediately. But they are saying that that is key to getting the English or the British economy moving again. I'm not really sure (laughs) reducing (laughs) two metres to one metre is really going to have that much of a difference. But James... 
perhaps you perhaps you disagree. <laughs> well, you can fit more people in shops that way. That is true. And the more people are in the shops, the better it is for the economy. And we'll just ignore the fact that they'll probably be spreading the virus more. It's all about the economy. I don't know. I, like the the further away you are from people, the better. That's just the way that things dissipate, right? If you got something dissipating, like a disease from someone's mouth, the further away you are, the less of it you're going to be getting on you. We'll talk more about this once we get to the Trump rally in Tulsa. But you're you're right when you're talking about the closer you are to people, the more likely you are to pass on said disease. The yeah, simple, you, right. you mentioned the uh, economy there, James. There was a report this week which said that the UK will be the hardest oh, yeah. hit of the developed nations' economies for various reasons for this. But that tallied with the fact that 40,000-plus people officially have died of coronavirus in the UK. Brazil overtook us to to take second place in the the league table that everybody wants to lose. Mm -hmm. It's hardly the world-beating response that Boris had talked about a couple of months ago. But my view is that Long term, this will not affect the public's view of him and the public's view of the government. Oh, no. Yeah, no, they'll get away with it for sure. Especially because it's so long until the next election. This will oh, be yeah. old news by the time the election rolls around. This won't actually impact any of their popularities. That's why they're not talking about having uh, votes of no confidence and stuff. They know they can just wait it out. Uh, and it's a big shame because it's a complete disaster and it's going to continue to be. All signs point to... Uh, the handling of the reopening to be bad so far yep. and it's going to cause lockdowns to continue for much longer than it needed to. Um, same in Scotland, but we don't like Nicola doesn't have to worry, even though she's doing a better job than Boris, even though she's better at communicating than Boris, uh, still following the same kind of bad advice, just taking and taking her time a wee bit more. But it's still people are saying it's not quite long enough and we're reopening too soon. But they don't really have to worry because uh, they're at such a height of popularity and they're doing so much better than Boris that they can just kind of like, as long as they're trailing a wee bit, it's fine. And it's a shame because the only things that are driving them is business needs at this point. Yeah. If they know that they're not going to displease the people, the only people they care about is business. And businesses all want to reopen because it's a fake economy where uh, we all need to keep businesses growing 3% every year, otherwise they are considered bad and unhealthy. Um, but all of our economy is based around passing money internally. So, of course, the figures are down. So everybody looks bad. But is it really bad? No. no. It's a shame if the businesses didn't have the reserves needed to get through a pandemic. And it's a shame that the pandemic and the lockdowns are being dragged on far longer than they should have been. So even some prepared businesses will be running out by now. Yep. But there's not much we can do if we keep on... Um, just opening up too soon and spreading a virus around at some level, we're going to have it forever. And there's never going to be a complete um, unfreezing of the economy. And there's never going to be complete freedom for people to move. And in a services-based economy like this one, it's always going to look bad. So we're going to be the most impacted on paper, but I doubt it's going to really be the most impacted economy like if you just look at the actual hard data as money flowing in and out of the country Uh okay let's uh before we move on talk about the news this week that in a major u-turn the uk has decided to ditch the way its current coronavirus tracing app works and is shifting to a model based on the tech provided by the likes of apple and google wow oh boy i'm so surprised that the that the app was bad (laughs) <laughs> we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute. So the government is now intending to launch this app in the autumn after missing uh, months and months of deadlines and saying, oh, this is going to be ready by the end of April. Oh, sorry, we actually meant May. Sorry, we actually meant the summertime. Oh, by the way, it's now coming out in autumn. Yeah. <laughs> world beating, world beating, world beating app, best app in the world. Wait. They've now said as well that the, the product may not actually involve contact tracing by the time it, it comes out. <laughs> and instead, the software will be limited to letting users report their symptoms and order a test. Wow. Wow, it's going <laughs> to... It's just... That's embarrassing. It is. It's like... Just eat, except it's just Corona. <laughs> but so slow. I could make this app. Why, James, <laughs> why do you think it has come to this? You know, after, you're right, months of this, to suddenly say, oh, by the way, Apple and Google need to take over and we are unable to do this ourselves. Apple and Google made a real good API to let people make functional apps. They worked with health officials from all over the world to make their APIs for contract tracing with Bluetooth or whatever else, um, including GPS solutions and stuff. 
They made it really functional and really work. They didn't make an app, as our government seems to believe that they did. Apple and Google didn't make an app. Um, they allowed everybody else to make apps. Uh, one of the th prerequisites for using their API is that you do not store the data long term. The data goes away. However, the government wanted to keep the data because the government is strange. And yep. they wanted just to have maps of where we all were and who we were all chatting to and all of our connections and all of the people who had the coronavirus and all the people who spread it. Who knows what they wanted that data for, but they are a data harvesting government. It's what they do. So they decided, hey, we'll not use Apple and Google's solution because they don't want us to keep the data. We'll make our own one. So they sold the spec to the lowest bidder, one of their Brexit friends who is getting a lot of the jobs recently, uh, who has done a really bad job produced an app that doesn't really work. Um, the app is so bad that the government's had to come out and say, all we've managed to prove is that our app and the Google app is really bad, or the Apple app is really bad. There is no Apple app. You can't have proved the Apple app is bad if they didn't make one. Some of the feedback I was seeing, because phones have begun to update with... Uh, some sort of notification that in future, some of the information on your phone may be used for a contact tracing app. And people were taking to social media to say, hey, everybody, go to this particular setting and you can see that Google or, or Apple are stealing your data. You're like, is this the first time you've realized that this yeah, Google is... Google and Apple steal a lot of the data. <laughs> and it just blows my mind that people think, oh, by the way, guys, you'll never realize what they've just done right this very second <laughs> yeah. for the first time. Yeah, how many of those same people are actually doing it on the Facebook mobile <laughs> app, which is the most intrusive app of all? <laughs> it is a, a sad indictment of our UK government that this is the point we've got to. It, it was this, we want something which gives us all the information and yet, oh wait, we, we can't? Okay, we're going to do our own one. And then, what, three months later or a couple of months later say, yeah, I, I suppose we should actually let the experts do this. Yeah, but they didn't need the info. They wanted info that they didn't need and they have sacrificed all of us to get meaningless info that the only thing they could use it for is to make election maps to help them figure out their campaigns. Yeah. It's, it's disgusting. Uh, and we've all been pushed into the sacrificial pile and maybe we're not being sacrificed yet, but a bad app leading to bad contact tracing is going to kill people. This is on the government. They're doing a bad job. Okay, before we move on, let's talk some serious news which happened in the city of Reading last night. Yeah. Uh, just in the last hour here on Sunday morning, police have declared the stabbing attack in which three people were killed a terrorist incident. Mm -hmm. So a 25-year-old man has been arrested. Uh, three people were left seriously injured. Reports say a man yeah. entered the park whilst people were enjoying the sunshine and began random, well, randomly attacking groups as he saw fit. James, in, in usual seats operate fashion, it's very difficult to comment on, on anything of, of this magnitude, of this seriousness. But because reports initially suggest that this man who's been arrested is a Libyan... I'm sure mm -hmm. that this will reignite some of the Daily Mail-esque headlines we've seen over the last few years. Yeah, that's the big, the big concern when things like this happen, is it is somebody who obviously needed help and intervention. Uh, they have done something completely shocking and unacceptable. And in turn, people are going to respond to it in strong ways, but they're going to misdirect their anger. Um, be angry at the individual, be angry at anyone that's contributed to their state of being, but, you know, don't be angry at an entire <laughs> um, ethnic group. Don't be angry at an entire people. Yeah. Um, if, 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 if the news comes out that this is a dude who was um, being trained as a terrorist by people in his own country, even then, he's still not a judgment on the country. we got to stop blaming populations for the acts of, of evil people in them. Like, Otherwise, we're to blame for a whole lot of bad stuff too, directly, you and I. <laughs> we, we've, like, our, our country has killed a whole lot of civilians everywhere. Mm -hmm. And I don't think we want to be held accountable in, as individuals. So let's all try and hold the right people accountable when things like this happen. And it's shocking. And it really um, shouldn't happen. And we, when you see all the um, funding and all the resources that are getting put into um, preempting this stuff, it, Surely there are questions asked about how um, action isn't taken sooner or there isn't 
um, close people watching closer to intervene sooner. There was a story you may have missed unless you live in Glasgow this week, and that was the mob of racist thugs who decided to gather uh, yeah, at George yeah. Square to protest uh, a movement which was about protecting refugees. James, did you see this or, or hear about this? Yeah, so there's been a couple of mobs of thugs. Let's use, let's use the, the word. Sec- the second in four days in Glasgow. Yeah, so they, for, one of them was wanting to protect statues from Antifa, even though there wasn't actually a march planned that day. So there was just a bunch of angry people in a square being angry at each other. They also beat up a photographer of Asian descent, I believe. Very popular photographer in Glasgow. And he got completely beat up. Uh, People trying to break his cameras because he was there to witness them just being a bunch of racist people like Nazi saluting in front of of this place like they're making a good statement. And then the next day or the day after, uh, the day after that one, um, they also decided to protest um, a small gathering in favor of refugees. So I don't really know. Like I, we talked a wee while ago about how Scotland doesn't have the same level of problems as America. And sure, I don't think we have the same level of problems institutionally um, to the same degree because we see a lot of our institutions are more eager to uh, repair damaged relationships and to repair the strains that we've put in other countries by taking all of their stuff and literally some of their people, right? We're seeing um, universities reinvesting in education in distant lands that we took advantage of in the past. And I hope that we see this more and more because Scotland's history is dark. Um, however, these these mobs in particular are, are, re- are an awakening, I hope, um, to the, to the fact that even if our racism here is different and even if it, we've got sectarian problems and it's not racism against black people but it's racism against immigrants it's like it's still real bad it's it's really really bad and it may not be so uh, ingrained institutionally but it's still unacceptable and we need to be fighting as hard as we can In news that was welcomed by basically everybody this week, Katie Hopkins oh, yeah. has been <laughs> permanently suspended from Twitter. So the yep. controversial commentator uh, was said to have violated Twitter's hateful conduct policy. Several times, I'm, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> Countless times. Ms. Hopkins, uh, who had more than a million followers, had previously been suspended in January for a week, but Twitter say this one is permanent. Yeah. James... There was some people who, and I disagree with this, some people were saying that this is censoring uh, voices. So yeah, how, how dare they censor her freedom of speech, which is definitely in the UK constitution. In the same way that a bouncer will chuck out someone who's being racist and horrible in a bar. That's not censorship. Yeah, or if you talk too loudly in a library. Well, exactly. So you James, might be asked to leave. Your, your view on uh, on Miss Hopkins being um, chucked. Okay, yeah, no, she broke the, she broke the terms of service. Twitter are providing her with a free service. They're say, the, the terms are clear. You can read them yourself. You go read them. Uh, you're agreeing to uh, act accordingly when you use their service that you're getting for free. <laughs> so if you break those terms, they can boot you. And they should. Twitter should be far more ruthless than they have been. Now, there is this whole side to it, like, we're silencing people. We're, we're um, like businesses are are using their power to manipulate people and make them believe things. Because some of these, some of the times, Twitter is adding like misleading tags. They are linking it to is. CNN, and that's troubling. Don't link to news media. The, they did. Uh, you, you may have, have seen. Approved. Sorry, you, you may have seen this week. They also uh, put a tag on a video that President Trump put up of yeah. uh, a child running away from another child, which was clearly a doctored... It was clearly fake. Yeah, so they tagged it. And like, they, they I agree it. with a lot of the tagging. I, I think you got to use your sources well. you got to be linking to the to the correct sources. Um, but if you're breaking someone's... Any business's terms of service, they're well within their rights to stop servicing you. <laughs> That's just how it works. It's not freedom of speech. It's not anything like that. Uh, if, if Twitter was a government-ran business, a government-ran service then it's a bit more debatable. Also, deplatforming works. Do you remember Milo Yiannopoulos? I do, very vaguely. Do you remember how, do you know how insignificant he is these days? It's great. He's been I'm sure he's, he must be doing something, right? No, he's like, he's like dirt poor again. Okay, well, it's... And that... By dirt poor, I don't mean dirt poor. He's, he's got enough to get by, but he's not got the same platform he did because he's no longer able to use 
the big ones. And that's good. Make his own platform. Okay, we're talking of platforms. Donald Trump held his first rally since coronavirus hit the United States yeah. uh, the day yeah, after yeah. Juneteenth in Tulsa, Oklahoma. So he did actually move his rally uh, after public pressure, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which he then or his team said was uh, out of respect. Ah, right, yeah. They're just dog. They're dog. They're trying to. They're trying to point point that to themselves. They're getting their audience. The audience knows what they like. However, if you've seen any of the videos or photos from said event, which the Trump campaign said they'd had a, a million ticket requests for, yeah. this nineteen thousand capacity venue is far from full. Yeah. Some people suggested that <laughs> they had um, an overflow area prepared and everything. Yeah, they, well, there was an overflow area which was dismantled because there was no overflow at all yeah and uh, yeah it just looked like a lot of people had dressed up as seats um yeah and you know i'm gonna be a good campaign manager for for the trump team here if you like rock up to an arena that is half full in a pandemic space people out and say you deliberately did it yep (laughs) easy peasy but they didn't they didn't do that because they don't have minds all they are are little pieces of prawn people were people were offered face masks when they came in and also had to sign a waiver that that if they became ill from said event it was not the fault of the trump administration it's the funniest thing this is a bunch of people that are calling the virus fake signing a waiver saying i'm not gonna blame you if i get it can i just say trump during a two-hour rant oh my uh, yeah once described coronavirus as kung flu oh man and the crowd cheered yeah i believe he also said that he's asked people to slow down the testing because they're testing yep. so much they're getting bigger numbers I, that's true wow. he, did, he did say that <laughs> the uh the white house then had to put out a statement in the early hours saying joking. the president was obviously kidding it's a joke it's just a joke all he's doing is poking fun at 120 odd thousand people that have died ha <laughs> it's real funny yeah he, he um, did suggest that because the the american administration was doing so many tests our numbers were, were rocketing so please let's do fewer tests yeah it's not a good joke. one donnie he, he was just dumb anyway do we know our I haven't noticed that any of the media have picked up the rumor as to why the stadium was empty. Have you heard the rumor? I I've, I heard the rumor that K-pop stands. Is this the one you're talking about? K-pop stands. K-pop stands, uh, i.e. teenagers who are big fans of Korean pop music, had essentially trolled the campaign into requesting all these tickets. Is that the one you were talking about? That is the one I am talking about. There was a... I mean, it's, it's an excellent... I, I fully believe it without any evidence whatsoever. I fully believe it. Uh, There was apparently a little movement on TikTok and other platforms of some intelligent people um, putting up videos, making this plan, telling people what to do, and then deleting them before it kind of got off the platform. Ah. So it was a hidden movement, so well hidden that the campaign didn't know, so well hidden that most media didn't know. Nope. Um, I didn't have a clue until I'm reading reading into the reasonings, because I'm not on those platforms. Uh, And... If is if is if this is why, there was such a huge number of people keen for tickets, and then like such a small turnout. It is hilarious. What a what a troll! The, a wonderful troll. The rally was being held despite the fact that across the states, numerous counties and uh, states as a whole are recording record infection numbers. So seven weeks after the Florida governor, I think uh, I want to say DeSantis declared that they'd beaten coronavirus and that they were they were past it, Florida recorded its highest daily total of new cases this weekend. Oklahoma has also seen a 91% surge yeah. in coronavirus cases. And James, it seems... I don't think they're calling it a second wave because actually America didn't get out of the first wave. No, they kind of plateaued a wee bit and then they're right back on the up. This, to me, is just clearly a case of states opening or reopening far too quickly because as we've talked about this view that governments worldwide in some cases prefer the economy being good to people being alive yeah it's it's a bunch of people that were insecure in the seeing their amount of money maybe be put to risk Uh, most of whom have actually become far more wealthy over the course of the pandemic yeah um which is shocking Shameful. Same in the UK. A bunch of billionaires are richer than they were when we went in, while everybody else is generally getting poorer. 
Um, and we are seeing the impact of reopening in the States. We're seeing it in other countries. We're, we're, we're going to be seeing it here. Um, the States is going to see the worst of it, though, because they, they, they ne- as you said, they never came out of the first wave. They no. kind of paused it for a tiny, a tiny wee bit, immediately completely reopened. No stages, no slow progress. And this isn't all the states, but it's enough of them to be significant. Um, and now, a couple of weeks later, a month later, in some cases, we're seeing the numbers getting scary big. Um, and it's, it's a bit too soon for the, for the Trump team to be blaming it on the protests. It's a bit too soon for all that yet. I'm sure the protests will have their own impact on the numbers, um, even if that's a more understandable, uh, like moral reason to be out in, in vast numbers. Uh, but right now, the campaign and uh, the team and the media that are interested in keeping the numbers small won't be yelling about uh, the rate of infection until it is in their interest so when they can blame the protests, which will be next week-ish. Okay. Let's move over to North Korea. Another story which broke midweek, which was that the country had blown up a joint liaison office used for talks between itself and South Korea. Yeah. Uh, which is the latest sign that it ties between the two longtime adversaries, who I believe are still at war, technically, uh, are continuing to deteriorate. It was a uh, a spectacular explosion. North Korean state media reported the four-story building, which is located in Kaesong, which is just north of the demilitarized zone, was completely destroyed by a terrific explosion at 10 to 3 on Wednesday. And the plume of smoke was uh, visible from the South Korean side shortly afterwards. James. I mean, they blew up their own building, right? Yes. So it's it's a statement. Yeah, yes. It's like... Yeah, it's like chucking your old phone away when you get your new one, stamping on it. Like it's not really an escalation. Well, it's certainly it's certainly something though. We don't. Yeah, yeah. In terms of like World War related stuff, the clashes at the Indian Chinese border are certainly scarier for everybody. Um, but yeah, it's a shame because North Korea right now have probably got the kindest and warmest uh, um, leaders in South Korea that they've had since you know, war. They've had they've had the easiest time, you know, coming to understandings and resolutions with this um, leadership. So it's kind of strange that they're not keen to keep doing that and are instead just like blowing up a building. I, I don't think it's going to go anywhere. You never really know though. North Korea is probably yeah. really struggling with everything that's going on and trying to just kind of distract us from that, trying to look strong while the pandemic's um, ravaging. And it's a big shame, like a constant sadness for the population of North Korea, for everything they're having to sit through. But, you know, in terms of the world, things are looking bad this month as well, because we've had that happen. We've had the border clashes between India and China, both of whom are countries who are not very keen to seem weak. So who knows where that will go? Um, Hopefully not to war. But yeah, things are scary yet again. Did you see that Poland temporarily invaded Czechia oh, this week? Actually, I did not. So this was the story that a small troop from the Polish army who were out uh, in a military exercise went to a, a certain part of the border mm-hmm. and uh, decided to essentially take up camp at a church, which it turned out was 40 yards into the Ooh. into Czechia territory. It's a hard invasion. They were there for three days. Proper encampment. And locals who went to said church and were told they couldn't come in because the Polish army were there, um, then reported that to the <laughs> government, who then got in touch with their Poland counterparts and said, "By the way, you have currently invade you are currently invading our country." <laughs> and uh, the soldiers eventually got up and, and went back to their side. Oh dear! So that was um, I'm sure that's going to make things certainly awkward for a few months. Yeah, I mean it is a bit of a shame as well with the whole I guess Eastern European kind of authoritarian-y feels that we're getting from a lot of the leaders over there. we got Hungary and Romania stamping down on LGBT expression and on gender expression, Poland doing the same. Um, where in Poland, you're seeing basically Polish nationalists able to openly hold rallies protesting against the existence of anybody who isn't just pure Polish, I guess. Um, so the situation in Eastern Europe is is also tense. There's a there's a lot of tension, 
It doesn't feel like it's ever going to go away. No. Okay, before we talk uh, entertainment and what we've been watching this past week, one headline, which I'm sure you will have seen, was Foreign Secretary Dominic Uh. Raab telling talk radio that um, taking the knee came from Game of Thrones. Yeah. James, did you see this? Yeah, yeah. I I felt shame, deep shame when I saw this one. So as opposed to, you know, crediting Colin Kaepernick and the NFL and... Well, and, the whole movement, yeah, and even just the the marine who say who suggested to Kaepernick to take the knee instead of like yeah. sitting, precisely, and the fact that Black Lives Matter and uh, police officers across the states, whether it's well-meaning or otherwise, have been taking the knee. Mister Rab seems to think it's from a fantasy game show, and James, I am yeah, seems yeah. flabbergasted as to how he came to that conclusion. He then also said he only took he only takes the knee, or he would only take the knee. He would only take for his knee. wife or the queen. Not even that though. He'd take the knee for the queen. Full stop. No matter what, he's just that was that was not a statement that had any sort of context added. He would just take the knee for the queen. But oh, he absolutely, would, he would only take the knee for his wife when he was going to ask her to marry him. So her one time has passed. She gets the knee once. She's she's done. He's never going to kneel again. <laughs> That's it. And it's just it's just the same spinelessness that you expect from like Tory leaders and their own like fan their own fan base <laughs> their own voter base is going to love it. They're all for the queen. They're all for the royals. Oh, yeah. But like bowing or taking the knee for some random lady, it's just embarrassing. She's she's meaningless. I know, but but this is the foreign secretary of the UK government, who's also a Tory. Yeah, he's gonna, foreign, he has to say that. The foreign secretary didn't know what taking the knee was a symbol of and where it originated from. Well, well, yeah, <laughs> but yes, because he is um, the Tory one, saying things about the Queen means that he immediately distracted his voter base from his complete lack of knowledge. Um, which he keeps displaying. He is showing off how how clueless he is about a whole lot of stuff um, because they're just so patriotic or whatever. James, before we dive into what we've been watching this week, there has been a couple of trailers Ah. released in the last 10 days. Yeah. Uh, The first one is Bill and Ted. Now, James, you're going to have to fill in the, the... tagline for me here because i can't remember what it is face the music that's the one face the music bill and ted face the music this is the keanu reeves and the other guy coming (laughs) back i told honestly i'm so sorry i don't know his name alex winter (laughs) thank you james (laughs) who are coming back for a i want to say a third film maybe a fourth film 25 30 years after the last one here's the trailer it's a long time 25 years ago, you played a concert in front of the entire world. One month ago, you played in Barso, California for 40 people, most of whom were there for $2 taco night. Bill and Ted, what have you got to say for yourselves? Be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Okay, James, what did you think of this then? I... I have my hopes up. I hope it's just kind of goofy like it's supposed to be. It feels like they're looking at it kind of being goofy like it's supposed to be. Yep. Um, but uh, I've, I've learned from c- comedy reboots of recent years to not expect much, even from franchises I like a lot. I have never actually seen Bill and Ted. So right. I don't right. know any of the references or I, I'm sure I would recognize some of them. You're not a member of the cult that no. follows it. So I don't really have any sort of hopes at all. However, okay. seeing a, what, 50-something Keanu Reeves trying to do this kind of goofy shtick yeah. from when he was, a I want to say, a teenager or early 20s, yeah, just wasn't really working for me. But, you know, I'll, I'll hold my judgment until I actually see it. Yeah, I do. I do want to see it. The setting and premise of the Bill and Ted films is very out there. Pretty strange in general. I, I do recommend watching them because they're just something different. Like I, I, I don't really know how they came to be. Um, I'm assuming through a lot of creativity. And the, the, the mood and the tone that the actors bring is, is kind of like strange relaxed. Uh-huh. 
while also being a bit cool, while also being complete nerds. Um, so I do recommend the films. I do want this one to be great. For myself, sure, because I enjoy the franchise, but I want it to be great because I know there's people out there that are attached to these films infinitely more than I am. Like, yeah. Th- like these, these are, this is like some proper cult stuff. Um, and I do not want that cult to be disappointed. That is a charming cult. That is a lovely cult. Okay. And they deserve a good film. Lovely cult. Let's move on to the second trailer, which is called Pam Springs. This is yeah. Andy Samberg and Christine Malotti. Yeah. Who, in a Hulu-made film... Well, Hulu-purchased film? ...have broken the record for a movie being sold at Sundance. Yes. So, the film... I want to say streamed or maybe was shown at Sundance before coronavirus. Yeah, who knows? And then Hulu and Neon paid $17.5 million yeah, to, to, to acquire the film, to get its rights. Yeah. Let's look at a trailer. Good day so far? Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. You, what is going on? Hey, get out of the water! Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. Okay, James, I'm going to give you yes. my thoughts first of all. Absolutely. I will start by saying I like Andy Samberg. I do find most of the stuff that he's involved in entertaining and funny. Yeah, he's a funny guy. The plot of this film, and I would I would recommend that if you are listening to this, if you're still listening, go and check out the trailer because I enjoyed it. Yeah. However, this plot is something we have seen literally dozens of times. It's got a, it's got a genre name. It's, it's it is Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Yeah. It is Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. It is all these films chucked into one, which is, yeah. okay, you're you're living the same day. There was a Netflix series about this about a year ago, Russian Doll. Yeah. Same thing, same concept. You can yeah. kill yourself, you could die, anything could happen, and you wake up and you're just repeating the same day again. Yeah. So... That, to me, I, I'll take marks off it because it does just seem like the same thing I've seen before. Not to say that that's bad, because Groundhog Day is great. Edge of Tomorrow is one of my favourite action films out there. Oh, for sure. Way better than, than people say. And this and this does look good. It made me laugh. So, great. Yeah, yeah. But, come on, Hollywood, let's, let's have some fresh ideas and not the same stuff we've been seeing all the time. Yeah, I'm seeing some people writing that it's like a fresh take on the Groundhog Day right theme and it's just kind of like not really it's just the groundhog day it's it's the exact it's the exact idea of groundhog day but with a little more direct comedy groundhog day was entirely about the meaninglessness of the re- the repeated days yeah. that was the film and it was finding meaning in other things and this film is going to be about that two people who are being nihilistic about the whole thing are going to find meaning in something else it's going to be groundhog day but modern and with modern jokes and that's okay it will be good it's not revolutionary okay james let's move on a couple of uh, other stories in the world of entertainment i want to talk about before we get to our reviews of the week james the first one is that Kristen stewart has been cast as princess diana spencer yeah. in a biopic set to focus on the princess's breakdown in a relationship between herself and Prince Charles. Yes. Thoughts on this? I mean, good casting, I'm going to say. Excellent casting. Like, yeah. Uh, 10 points to whoever did that. I'm, I'm actually, I'm actually, uh, like I opened up the article and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, and she's a, she's a far better actor than most of the films she is known for allowed her to be. A lot of the stuff she has worked on has has limited her in what she's allowed to do, and some of the uh, more recent works and some of the smaller films, uh, she's been able to show a far greater range. So this could be good. I'm not sure I want to see a film about the breakdown of a marriage uh, of Diana and and Prince. Um, but you know, just because I don't care doesn't mean it won't be good. And I'm sure there's a lot of people who do care, and they'll enjoy it even more. I mean, if there was ever an actress to play a person who was hounded by the press and headlines written about her, then Kristen Stewart is the person to play it. Yeah. I, because yeah. she has endured her fair share of horrible tabloid headlines and pictures. Yep. yep. And she is also a phenomenal actress. So, yeah. great. Looking forward to that. But yeah, you're right. It's, this could be cathartic for her, for sure, yeah. It's, it's a difficult story to tell. Yep. And... 
but but the reason that people want to see it is because it's Princess Diana, and particularly in the states, she still has a massive draw. I'm really unsure oh, why. She's popular everywhere. Yeah, people just liked her. She was like real. She felt like a real person. Okay, James, uh, let's talk about the gaming industry. We touched on this at the start. All right, yeah. The Last of Us Part Two. Now, here is a game which has been highly anticipated for years. A follow up yeah, to. We talked about a couple of trailers, maybe. The Last of Us. Yes, indeed. I have The Last of Us. I'm still to play it, but so I do good. have it. Yeah. So this is the sequel which has come out. It has been very well received by gaming review sites and critics who are saying, yeah. you know, it's exceptional, it's a once-in-a-generation game, blah, 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 blah. However, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. on Metacritic, which is basically, what, the, the gaming version of, or Rotten, of Rotten Tomatoes? Rotten Tomatoes, yeah. yeah. It has yeah. absolutely bombed users, or the user's score, the average, is currently at 31 out of 100. Yeah. James, can you just break down for me why this has happened because this to me okay. is like the equivalent of of star wars or marvel or any sort of big <laughs> fanboy site where the critics love it but the users right. absolutely hate it yeah okay so let's do the pretend reasons that are kind of legitimate first okay pretend reason number one that is also legitimate some people are negatively reviewing it because the game made the primary female character uh a gay character. She's in a relationship with another female character. Right. And a lot of people in, as we've talked about, a lot of people in uh, gaming who have an interest in gaming um, are off persuasions that want to reject those expressions. And they want to think that the lead female character would be into them. And maybe that too. And they think it's part of an agenda. They're trying to, This is just another thing, pushing the agenda of the LGBTQ. Uh, how dare they? Um, I'm sure there are some negative reviews um, that, that have that in them. I'm sure there's also negative reviews based around uh, this the this uh, ca- the new character they've introduced also being female. And so how dare they make games have female leads? We've seen that for a long time. There are loud people who say these things, but it is not a majority opinion. Much like the Star Wars hate, it was the loud, disgusting people that got the attention, but the majority opinion of the people who didn't like the film was just like, it's not good. Not because of any one person, not because of any one thing. Um, one thing, this is the real reasons for disparities. One thing that is very different between film reviewers and game reviewers is film reviewers tend to have enough time to watch the entire film before reviewing it. Game reviewers don't. They tend to play a day's worth of a game which could be 12 hours, it could be 8 hours, it could be 4 hours. Yeah. This game is 30 hours long-ish, maybe 20 if you play super fast. In most of the reviews you read, you, they'll say, I have played the first 12 hours of this game. Ra 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 ra, so on, so on, so on. And, it, and they say it is just like the first game, it is amazing, the sceneries are great, the story is great. It's because the first half of the game, everybody likes. Everybody likes the first half of the game. All the re- internet reviews I've seen as well, they like the, the first part of the story, and then there's a jarring change halfway through the story. All right. They switch perspectives to a new character that they're introducing in game two, which they didn't market. They didn't tell us there was going to be this new character. Mm-hmm. And they didn't say, hey, you're going to have to adopt uh, the perspective of a person you don't care about and reattach yourself to this after we've worked so hard to build up a care for your primary two characters that you know. Um, so it's this switch to a character who is generally not interesting according to the people who are playing the games they just don't find that portion of the story interesting okay they're not engaged with the second half of the story because of a character switch and because the writing is more clunky and because it's less interesting um and i i think a big part of it is that a lot of the team developing the game quit while the game has been developed so it's ended up kind of being a two-part thing a bit clunky in some parts other parts are good um, so overall, I would expect the actual genuine reviews would say the game is about a 5. But when you're coming from a game that was a 9 or a 10, that's a massive disappointment. So people are going to be reviewing it as a 1. Okay. Because they had high expectations and then the game kind of like just chucked them into an environment that they didn't market. The game tried to subvert expectations maybe, uh-huh. but we've talked about how that's not going to be popular. You have to do it well. And as far as I can tell, they really did not do it well. Will you be buying the game? Uh, I'm not really interested in it anymore. I was going to just avoid all spoilers and all reviews and stuff. 
because uh, I was expecting it to be good. But then a couple of um, like not a couple of reviewers that I trust and reviewers I like to listen to have come out to say that yeah, the second half is just completely flat um, and not fun um, to this to the level you're expecting. So if you like the first one, the second one won't satisfy you. And I don't want to go through another 20 hours to be not satisfied at the end. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So I'm just going to watch someone play it, I guess, and be like, oh, okay. Right. James, have you been watching anything this week? I have not got anything to report. Ah. not finished any series. I've not uh, finished any games, sadly. I'm almost finished a book, though, so that's cool. Great. Okay, well, let me fly through the three I have. I'm going to do the first two in a joint. Uh, a double header, I should say. <laughs> You're going to do the first two in, in one joint. In one spliff. Here's Terminator and Terminator 2, which I've finally seen hey. after, what, 30-odd years of them being out? Well done. Uh, very, very quickly, I really enjoyed both of them. I thought Terminator 2 was better, but it did have the uh, advancement of nicer technology, uh, a longer, more in-depth story, and more fully fleshed-out characters. However, the first Terminator, now having you know seen all the different films that it was an, an influence of, or, or people who, who saw the Terminator film, I should say, and were influenced by it, having now watched Terminator, I can completely see where all of these different stories and, and characters and, and moments come from. Arnold Schwarzenegger, I was reading about this, he thought the Terminator was going to be some sort of B-movie flop that he could bury and, and just move on. All right. But actually, he's great. I thought he was fantastic. And yeah, clearly, it was iconic thing, yeah. And clearly, what happened, and I I knew this going into it, but Terminator Two, if you are yet to see it, has a, a sort of bait and switch. You think Arnold Schwarzenegger's character is going to be one thing, and he turns out into something else. Yeah, and yeah, that yeah, yeah. is because I believe his performance was so good in the first Terminator, and the line so iconic, you know, "I'll be back" and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which of course they've now done to death, oh, but. Yeah. The way it's done in the first film, it just made him so wildly popular. It made his character so wildly popular that in the second one, they decided, right, we've got, we've got to have to, we've got to switch it. We've got to keep it fresh, and they did, and they did it really well. So both films, I thought, were great. Really enjoyed them. And if you are yet to see the Terminator or Terminator Two, then do it. Absolutely do it. I thought they were great. Yeah, definitely. They're 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 wonderful films. Really okay. easy to watch. Yeah, exactly. Really easy. First one is is what like ninety minutes long. Second one's yeah. weightier, but I did enjoy it more. Okay, uh, in our Marvel watch along, in my Marvel watch along, I am now at yeah. the Avengers. Yay! And I'll tell you what, James, it is the first film of this watch along since the, since the first Iron Man <laughs> that I actually. I really enjoyed, uh, and the thing is, yeah. the first, the first Avengers, it stands up. It's a, it's a just a fun, it's a fun movie. It's a fun action movie. It's a fun. Movie. You know, it's. I, I was trying to pinpoint what it is that makes this first one click, and and what makes it work so well. And I think there's a, a couple of things. The first one is that Joss Whedon's the director, and oh yeah, I love his tone and things. Right, and and here's the difference for me: the quips, you know, the Marvel quippy quips are at their best in this movie because they don't feel like they've been written in by an entire room full of writers. Yeah. It feels like just this one guy, Joss Whedon, was like, okay, actually say this, it'll be funny. Yeah. And so it feels natural. And this It does, yeah. And so instead of being this forced scientifically driven comedy precisely instead of this almost formula of here's how we do comedy in, in marvel it is natural it comes across as authentic and it's yeah. funny it the film is funny yeah so yeah. if you've watched any of his tv shows you know that that's just a skill he has right He's pre- got a precisely way to write that kind of dialogue i think joss whedon deserves enormous credit for doing this film so well. Here's here's another point I had. The opening sequence, which before they get to you know the big Avengers title, the opening sequence is one of the the better ones in the superhero canon, mm. which is you know setting up uh, Loki's arrival. They steal the Tesseract. They they um, you know Jeremy Renner becomes a a bad guy for. Yeah, I will get to Jeremy Renner in just a second. But that opening is is excellent it's really well shot it's yeah. terrifically edited samuel l jackson's brilliant mm-hmm. i'm watching this thinking this is 
this is how you do a superhero movie. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, and you just get invested and it establishes the story super quick. It doesn't like hammer it in with, like, with really yep. cheap dialogue or anything. It just sets everything up nicely. It is. So that film came out, I believe, in 2012. And it because it did so well, it is a huge part of why Marvel is this giant juggernaut it is today. Yeah. So The film, as I say, hold on. The, the film, as I say, is, is really still very good yeah you know it's very it's very hard to, to pick holes in it but i'm going to here's the first one there are two female characters in the entire movie yeah that's it yeah two women yeah uh, one of which is uh, maria hill other which is black widow and that's it they they have roles they have speaking they have lines they don't interact with each other and that's it that's all the they it's, got. It's, a, it's a wee bit of a weakness yeah which for a joss whedon uh, film now I know he didn't have a, 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 anything to do with the actual characters but you know you would have hoped to to see something more than that but I appreciate that's not yeah. his call from someone who's had such strong female characters and other things he's done actually female led shows primarily yeah <laughs> you'd expect it to be uh, somewhat different to what it was yeah and the other main point of criticism and this has been done to death poor Jeremy Renner he just gets totally cast aside in this movie as some uh, yeah, motivation for some of the other characters and it's a shame because he does eventually get his arc he does get that character arc mm-hmm. in ultron mm-hmm. and then in endgame and that is really great yeah so you do see that sort of rehabilitation and the argument is if he didn't get shafted as badly as he did in this movie, perhaps we wouldn't have got the other. Yeah, we wouldn't have got you know, the, the other arcs. Him being the primary character in Ultron, because he's definitely the main character in that one. So, so that to me, you know, I, 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 as soon as it happened, I was like, oh man, I forgot how how badly he gets done in this in this movie. Yeah, like, uh, however, hey, just get rid of him for a bit. We'll bring him back <laughs> when we need a little bit of attention. It's fine. Yeah, ho- however, the film does stand up. I really liked it, and uh, it's all downhill from here because I think Thor two is next. Yeah, there's a few more that come that are good, but I, I think the primary difference is that like, I think films like The Avengers and f- films like Thor 3 and some of the Captain Americas, they they have a, a show-don't-tell attitude, whereas standard Marvel is very procedural yep. and just tell. Just tell us stuff. Just keep talking to us and telling us what to feel. Yep. But but this this one, it's the most authentic I think Marvel has been in terms of its humour, in terms of the way the story is done. Yeah. A character introduction's great. Really liked it. If you're if you've if you want to revisit it, then please do because yeah, it's just a good time. Yeah, let us know what you think about it when you when you give it a quick 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 rewatch. Okay, James, we are consistently smashing this hour mark, so let's wrap up here. Yes. Thank you for your time, and we'll see you, and we'll maybe stream you next week. I know. Yeah, maybe we'll be live next time. Who knows what day? Who knows what hour? <laughs> but yeah, we'll figure it out, everyone. We'll yeah, we'll figure it out. Okay, cheers, James. Yeah. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening. Bye.